Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show, where each week I rank movies in a variety of categories from franchise and subgenre to directors and actors. No film is left unwatched as I break down my top five picks. So join me every Sunday for new episodes and get ready to dive into the world of film with top five from the ray taylor show in this episode i'm ranking my top five movies that won best picture at the academy awards from the 1980s there are obviously 10 films that were one best picture from 1980 to 1989 which means that they were they won the Oscars from 81 to 90, right? Movies came out the year before. 80s movies. Mainly, I'm I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 1980, so these are movies that uh, a lot of them I hadn't watched yet, right? And this was a great opportunity for me to go back and fill in some blind spots in my film history to watch movies that were nominated for the Academy Awards. It's also interesting to see the types of movies that won the Academy Awards uh, in the 80s. And, you know, it's very interesting, the movies that won. And definitely some movies that I didn't like uh, at all. Uh, But, you know, I can see kind of why a bunch of white people, white old people might like them. But anyway... uh, So some of these movies, most of these movies were first-time watches. There were some movies that I had seen uh, many times or just maybe once, don't really remember. So I enjoyed, and it was a great, there's been a lot of these movies that have been on my list, my list of shame for a while that I've wanted to watch and just never gotten around to watching them. So it was a great opportunity to finally watch those movies fill in the blind spots as i said so let's get into the top five movies that won best picture from the 1980s starting off with number five this was the first movie i watched and maybe if you know the order i watched all these movies actually i didn't watch them in chronological order so this was the first movie i watched and was kind of blown away so for this was an easy number one i was like wow this is a really good movie uh but you know it's sitting here at number five and i'll i'll say why obviously the other movies uh are above this one but it's still a great movie this is a banger list i gotta say like if you're looking for a solid five movies to watch that were not that won best picture in the 80s This is, you can't go wrong at least for me you can't go wrong with this list so coming in at number five is ordinary people this won best picture at the 53rd academy awards in 1981 so this movie came out in 1980 uh this also won best director robert redford did not realize this was robert redford until i was preparing for this show watching it even when i decided i liked it had no idea i'm a huge fan of river runs through it which is another robert redford movie didn't even think that this was i didn't even know he was making movies back here back in the 80s either way amazing best director robert redford best supporting actor timothy hutton uh best adapted screenplay 
the film is based on the 1976 novel of the same name by Judith Guest. The movie stars Donald Sutherland, uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Timothy Hutton, and Jude Hirsch. Judd Hirsch, I should say. The story revolves around the Jarretts, an upper-middle-class family in Lake Forest, Illinois, who are struggling to deal with the aftermath of the death of one of their sons in a boating accident. Right, The surviving son, Conrad, who's played by Hutton, is depressed and suicidal following the incident, and he is struggling to connect with his parents, especially his mother, who is emotionally distant, played by Mary Tyler Moore. A great performance from her. Didn't even realize. I didn't. I'm not. I never watched the Mary Tyler Moore show, but amazing performances all around. Also an interesting subject. Uh, the film explores themes of grief, guilt, family dysfunction, and it no uh, and is known for its nuanced portrayal of mental illness and therapy. Uh, very much like. Uh, in some ways kind of reminded me of Goodwill Hunting, except for much more darker uh, aspects to this movie. Conrad begins seeing a psychiatrist, Dr. Berger, played by Hirsch, uh, who helps him work through his emotional uh, emotions to come to terms with his brother's death, death, which he blames himself for. It is great. Great performances. The... The idea of this movie is like clearly a time, I mean, almost up until recently, mental illness was treated, was not like, you were like told, especially in the 80s, to just suck it up. Like there's no treatment. Like everybody looked down on anybody searching for mental health care, right? It, it, it is kind of insane. And, and me growing up in the 80s, Never going to the doctor, never dealing with any kind of mental health treatment, being clearly severely depressed and later finding out that I'm probably bipolar. It's like, you know, it, c compared to now where people are so aware, the majority of people are so aware and cognizant of mental health. But this movie clearly taking advantage and clearly showing the reason it's titled Ordinary People is that these are just ordinary people, except for their lifestyle is so far from ordinary, like that upper middle class feeling. It feels like this family is rich, like they want for nothing. They live in a nice house, like being able to afford life in any way. There is no struggle whatsoever in this family. Right. Very similar to the Fablemans. So. And it's about these quote-unquote ordinary people that no longer exist. The middle class, let alone upper middle class, doesn't really exist anymore. But it's like, oh, even ordinary people need to go to psychiatrists and need help. Like, tragic events that happen in families need help to work through that. And it shows amazingly how this family the dysfunction of this family, how each of the people in the family are dealing with this traumatic event throughout this the course of this movie i loved it um so good great performances uh, an amazing story amazing acting by the by hirsch who won um oh no hutton hutton won right hutton won um who won the best picture 
It was yeah, Timothy Hunt, best supporting actor, which is weird. If he is the the main character in that, why would he be supporting? Because it really does follow him. Yeah, Timothy Hutton won for Best Supporting Actor. He should have been the lead. Donald Sutherland, his parents, they weren't the lead. They weren't the focus. That's weird. Maybe that's like a similar thing like The Martian uh, winning Best Comedy. Doesn't make any sense. But uh, anyway... His performance was amazing. I Everybody's performance. And it's interesting to see his mother, how she deals with it, and how she is, like, so withdrawn from showing any emotion versus the dad who's super supportive. I, re- I really – it's such a great movie. Definitely a bummer movie. <laughs> it's not a feel-good movie, but great movie in all. And uh, I loved it. So, anyway, it's, it's sitting here at number five, maybe because it's a little bit of a bummer movie that it, it lands here at number five. And maybe it's also about a family dynamic and, like, a, a status that doesn't really exist in America anymore, this upper-middle-class upper ideal. It's like I don't know anybody that's living that kind of life. I've never lived that kind of life. But anyway, coming at number five, Ordinary People. Moving on to my fourth favorite Best Picture winner from the 80s. This one is a movie that I've seen a bunch of times. This is a movie that has some valid criticism, didn't necessarily age well. And another situation where just as a society, we've learned more about people and about the different, the plethora of ways people experience life and deal with life and how different people can be and understanding those differences. Uh, But it's a great movie that I still really love, and I I don't think it's necessarily offensive in a way that other movies didn't necessarily age well. Um, But also I'm not that close to it, so maybe I'm biased and, and not being sensitive enough to what doesn't hold up. Regardless of that, I love this movie. It's a lot of fun, and I do think the performances are good. And I'll talk about the things that don't hold up, obviously. But coming in number four, Best Picture winner from the 61st Academy Awards from 1989 is Rain Man. Uh, This one also won Best Picture, or Best Director, I should say, for, for Barry Levinson. Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman. And Best Original Screenplay. The movie stars Dustin Hoffman as Raymond Babbitt, an autistic savant, and Tom Cruise as Charlie Babbitt, his younger brother. The story follows Charlie, a selfish and materialistic young man who learns that his estranged father has left his $3 million estate to Raymond, a brother he never knew he had. Charlie kidnaps Raymond from the institution where he lives, hoping to get his hands on the money. But he soon realizes that his brother's unique abilities and quirks can be both frustrating and endearing. The film explores themes of family, love, disability, and is known for its sensitive and nuanced portrayal of autism while uh, also misrepresenting it as well. Which that is the big criticism. Obviously autism, we know so much more about autism and the spectrum of autism. And Dustin Hoffman, his performance as Raymond, is widely regarded as one of the greatest in cinema history. 
I don't know. That's obviously some caveats uh, can be put on that and asterisks on that. Uh, and he spent months preparing for this role by studying people with autism and meeting with experts in the field. Now, obviously, mental health in the 80s, far different than mental health in 2023. Not only just mental health, but just overall the understanding of people and their abilities, disabilities, different abilities, and how they exist and what they're capable of. And... For the time and place this movie came out, I think I would assume Hoffman portrayed his character in what he felt was the most authentic way. But as we know in 2023, that there is a wide spectrum of people who are autistic, who land on that spectrum. And what his character represents doesn't necessarily reflect accurately on what people are capable of doing with autism. Obviously in this movie, he's not, he's portrayed as somebody who can't live by himself, who requires somebody to take care of him, which obviously there's fully functioning people who have autism, right? I mean, people landing on the autistic spectrum are seemingly normal. Like there's small variations in human expression and, because we know so much more, we realize that it's not like this black or white issue. And maybe his character was somebody who is on the extreme end of the spectrum. But I think now we know that it's not necessarily the broad brush that is painted with autism being Dustin Hoffman from Rain Man. So I think that is kind of the point of contention and probably part of this movie that is controversial, doesn't hold up well. But as far as a representation of maybe a specific form of autism, especially how those things were handled and thought of in the 80s, I would imagine it's fairly accurate for that time, place, and unique expression. Aside from that, I love this movie. Dustin Hoffman's amazing. Obviously, maybe problematic. I don't know. I think he's amazing. I think... The this performance from Tom Cruise is amazing as well, being just an asshole brother. But like through the course of the movie, you really feel for him as he feels and loves his finds that he loves his brother. You see this connection. It's a road movie. Um, it's so much fun. It's such a good movie. Like if you can get past the inaccuracies of it, right, then I think it opens up to be a great movie, a heartwarming movie. And kind of sad as well that that is how people were handled in those days not that long ago they were just put in an institution they're removed from society and i think now there's a lot more effort into understanding and helping people just exist in society as is i mean there's a lot of people that aren't on any spectrum that are just complete assholes that can barely exist in, in society as it is. So I don't know. I think nostalgia, maybe if I had watched this for the first time, I would, the inaccuracies or the problematic nature of this movie may have stood out more to me, but it, because it is a nostalgic pick that I've watched this movie so many times. I love this movie. And it's like, I don't, I don't have any like negative feelings toward any of the characters. Like I don't necessarily think, it almost feels like he's got a superpower in a way, right? He's he's more abled. Now, obviously, they portray him as 
not be like he almost burns down the kitchen at one point or whatever. But I don't know. I love this movie despite his problematic nature. I think it does have great performances. And, you know, coming in number four, Rain Man. Moving on. The rest of the movies, I this is the only one on my top five list that I, I had seen and it made the list. All the rest of these are first time watches that blew my mind. This top three is so solid. And maybe a little problematic this one too. Just mildly problematic. Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to talk about are you looking for the perfect gift for that art lover in your life? Look no further than InspireDisorder.com. Our gift cards can be used to purchase original artwork from the many faces, a collection of over 2,000 original abstract ink portraits. These one-of-a-kind pieces make for a truly unique and meaningful gift. But that's not all. Our gift cards can also be used to purchase high-quality prints and t-shirts featuring these amazing paintings. Plus, if the recipient is a fan of The Ray Taylor Show, they can use the gift card to purchase merchandise from the show as well. So why wait? Head on over to InspireDisorder.com and purchase a gift card today. Your loved one will be sure to appreciate the thought and creativity behind such a unique gift. Thank you for considering InspireDisorder.com for all of your gift needs and now back to the show moving on to my third favorite movie that won best picture in the 80s this is a movie that's been on my list forever it is kind of one of these like classics that you just gotta see right like so many best picture winners tend to be classics this movie won best picture at the 55th academy awards that took place in 1983 my favorite movie that won an Academy Award for Best Picture. Coming in number three is Gandhi. This movie also won Best Director for Richard Attenborough. It's won Best Actor for Ben Kingsley, who plays Gandhi, obviously. Best Original Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing. This movie raked in the awards, and I can see why. I believe... The Ben Kingsley portrayal of Gandhi, I think casting physically looks like it. I don't know if he has Indi- if he's from India, but I think that is the contention that like he's just a white guy who played an Indian, but he does kind of look like Gandhi. So, and I like his performance. I've been watching. I, I've been a huge this last year. Watching RRR opened the gateway to me watching. And loving Indian films. I love Indian films. And I am very ignorant to the history of India. And people like Gandhi. Who are historical figures. This being a historical epic. right? An epic biopic in a way. And one of my favorite biopics. Uh, and I, I learn. I, f- I feel like I learned at least some of Indian history, which I appreciate. I, I kind of want to do more, take a deep dive. I actually look to see if there are any Indian filmmakers who have made movies about Gandhi. And there are a handful, so I, I might try and track those down and wa- watch those. I feel like they may be, I mean, they could easily just be as biased or inaccurate. But I don't know. I love this movie. It is, uh, this movie stars, as I said, Ben Kingsley in the title role of Mohandas uh, Karmachand Gandhi, the leader of the Indian independence movement against British rule. 
story follows Gandhi's life from his early days as a lawyer in South Africa, uh, where he first encountered racism and injustice, to his return to India and leadership of the non-violent civil disobedience movement against British colonial rule, which I, I love that. I, it's, it's brutal, but like I don't, there's so much power in what he did, right? The movie portrays Gandhi's philosophy of nonviolence and his belief of equality and justice for all people, regardless of race, religion, or social status. I would imagine there would be people that might disagree, right? Oh, he wasn't as... Like, I'm sure there's probably people... I don't know what the truth is, but I could see everybody's got, like, a bias towards something. Uh, the film also explores the political and personal struggles that Gandhi faced, including his imprisonment, his conflicts with other leaders of the independence movement, and his complicated relationships with his family. Gandhi is wildly regarded as one of the greatest biographical films ever made, I would agree, uh, and it remains a powerful and inspiring testament to the life and legacy of one of the most important figures of the 20th century. I love this movie. It was long but like just you're on a ride to see the the evolution of this man what he did seeing you do see the other people that he these other leaders these other religious leaders and how the conflict and tension of the different religions which we see in america on some level it's such a good movie and i think his performance was great right I, I don't know. I love this movie. It was so good. Just like. Just so like. As far as a. Like so many biographical films. You don't see the struggle necessarily. And it feels like this one. You kind of saw the struggle. And you kind of saw how difficult and brutal it can be going through with being nonviolent and kind of really taking the damage and being brutalized and seeing how when people who become violent in your movement, how that can change things and to see how he then doubled down on his nonviolence in order to make a point and seeing how he was able to get his followers and continue this movement. It, great movie. I loved it, right? It only makes me want to learn Indian history more and more about Gandhi as well. So coming in at number three, my third favorite best picture winner in the 80s was Gandhi. Moving on to my second favorite movie. I wasn't even like, there were some movies that were hard to track down, right? Not available on streaming, whatever, whatever. And this was a movie... There were two specifically. One I was able to track down, didn't like it at all, which I'll mention after my list. This one, I was like, should I even try and track it down? I'm so glad I did. This one was almost my number one. But another movie kind of based on a historical figure, but I think slight, definitely fictionalized to a, a, a degree. But told, it is a person's biography told in such an interesting way that I would love to see somebody do a biopic in this way, especially a muse like in 
a, a musical biopic. This has got to be my favorite musical biopic, aside from Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is also very fictionalized. I think this one probably not as fictionalized, but you know, definitely movies that are more fiction and kind of loosely related to a real character. But anyway, this movie, I loved it. And as an artist, I don't know. It, I'll, I'll tell why I love this one so much. It's coming in at number two. This movie won Best Picture at the 57th Academy Awards in 1985. Coming in, my second favorite Best Picture winner from the 80s is Amadeus. This movie also won Best Director, Milos Forman. Best Actor, F. Murray Abraham. Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Art Direction. Best Costume Design. Best Makeup. Best Sound. Obviously, this is a period drama, semi-biographical, as told by the hater. Right? This is a movie. Stars Tom Hulsey as Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And F. Murray Abraham as Antonio Soleri, who is a rival composer who becomes obsessed with destroying Mozart. He is this movie is told from the perspective of the hater, which is amazing because he's jealous and he's like he clearly has like this jealousy of Mozart and like also in awe of his abilities and constantly trying to be him instead of just trying to be the best version of himself. He's like obsessed with Mozart. I love that dynamic. Like that would be such a great way to tell like there's so especially like internet based stories where trolling is so ubiquitous in culture and to see this movie that it feels like the origins is like the the first telling of a troll's story amazing uh, like understanding the premise of what I, this movie was that it's like this story about mozart but told through the lens of the hater but somebody who still has like understands the abilities of mozart and still has like the admiration for him amazing so, amazing and obviously costuming is great the music is great. The sound, all the things it won awards for makes complete sense uh, because the story set in 18th century Vienna and is loosely based on the historical events of uh, the characters. Historical events and the characters. The movie explores the intense rivalry between Mozart and Solari, which Mozart wasn't in competition with Solari. Mozart was in competition with Mozart to be the best Mozart he could be. And he did not live in this movie, did not live a very, he's very tortured because he is always at battle with his ability to create, right? And created like just effortlessly in some ways, yet still he was just like wore himself out doing these things, channeling this, this beauty that he could just effortlessly compose. It very much the Soleri's competition with Mozart. It's like they're in a race, but Mozart doesn't know they're racing. And Soleri's just constantly trying to keep up. It also deals with his jealousy, Soleri's jealousy, and resentment towards Mozart's talent and success. Which success, not very, 
like financially successful because he struggled with money, but like creatively, he was like he effortlessly made masterpieces. Right. But that's because he lived his entire he's from a child. His dad would like bring him around as like this his like form of entertainment. Like, look at what my I trained my child to do playing piano with a blindfold, playing the same song on violin, like definitely a talented kid who was like it's almost like how child actors are like kind of burned burned out by their parents constantly pushing them into things amazing right uh the film also portrays mozart's personal life including his marriage with const uh constanz weber and his struggles with illness and poverty constanz weber like i'm watching this i'm like she is so cute man she is gorgeous i'm like where do i know her from and she was in i did the uh Oh, what were the top five of the guy who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre? He did a movie, The Fun House. She is the lead actress. She's the scream queen from that movie, The Fun House, by... God, what is that movie? Now I gotta look this up. So good. And then once I saw I was like, oh yeah, because I was like, the same thing. I was like, she is... She is gorgeous. Um... She's also in Hidalgo. Let's see here. What is she in? Um, the Fun House uh, plays Amy Harper, directed by Toby Hooper. Fun House is a fun movie. If you want a, a fun horror movie, she's great in that. Um, but yeah, when I saw her in this, I was like, why do why is she so recognizable? And it's like she has she wasn't in a bunch of stuff, but this was like she's amazing. Um, <clears throat> so dealing with illness and poverty, Amadeus features some of Mozart's most famous works, including Requiem Mass in D minor and his opera, The Marriage of Figaro. The movie's screenplay was adapted from a play of the same name by Peter Schaefer, which like I can't imagine what the play is like. Uh, the film's stunning production design and costume design won critical acclaim, obviously, and helped to create the vivid and immersive portrayal of the 18th century Vienna. Amazing, both of those things. Definitely feels like you're in that time and place, for sure. Amadeus is widely regarded as one of the greatest films ever made about classical music and remains a beloved and influential work of art i think it's the, by far the best and most creative musical biopic it, like why doesn't like this idea of writing a biopic from the perspective of a of a troll like you know like do the steve jobs movie from the perspective of and maybe who wasn't a troll but like bill gates right somebody he was in competition with I mean, they had different very I mean, there's probably somebody else. There's probably another rivalry, quote unquote, out there. Basketball sports. You could easily do that about sports. Some athlete that never reached the pinnacle that like Michael Jordan did. Right. And is like obsessed with him. It, it just, and like keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Like the fact that he was like in his life, but also like controlling him. Like it, like this movie is so amazing. This was 
number one for a while just because it deals with art, creativity, struggling artists, people taking advantage, haters that you deal with, and how haters, like, there's clearly some kind of, like, like the, some kind of admiration they have, but it's, like, so unhealthy. I love this. It was number one for a while, but I had to put it down because my number one film, it hit me in a, a different way. Um, and I watched the director's cut, so it felt a little bit long. I mean, it was like three hours long, I think, or over three hours long. I still loved it. Uh, still great. And I don't know what the difference is with the director's cut versus the theatrical, but a great movie. I'm so glad I watched it. It blew me away. Such a Amadeus. If you haven't watched it, watch it. it blind by it. If, if it sounds interesting, do it. It's great. It's great. And I love the, There's this giggle that Mozart does. He's like kind of annoying like he's got a good sense of humor. like he looks like somebody who's like a child star like he's you know very creative very good very passionate about what he does but also has like this sensibility like he never really was able to have a childhood so he has like this arrested development and has kind of like this childlike giggle that i don't know I loved. I really did. I love that actor. I I liked his portrayal of Mozart, which I don't know anything about Mozart. So, but I I really did love this movie. So coming in number two, Amadeus. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about, are you a fan of art, movies, and all things entertainment? Then you need to check out youtube.com slash inspired disorder. Our page is jam-packed with all kinds of great content, including making of videos of the many faces and ongoing art series of abstract ink paintings. But that's not all. We also feature daily episodes from the Ray Taylor Show, a podcast that brings you movie reviews, TV show reviews, episode recaps opinions on news and entertainment and much more there's also a weekly diary and top five movie rankings of a variety of categories and if that wasn't enough we've also got how-to videos covering all kinds of topics so why wait head on over to youtube.com slash inspired disorder and start exploring the amazing content we have to offer and now back to the show moving on to my favorite movie this was the second movie I watched out of the 10 movies. And aside from Amadeus taking its spot, this movie was at my number one spot as soon as I watched it, right? I watched I watched uh, Ordinary People, then I watched this movie. Ordinary People was number one, and then this movie took over number one after I watched the second. And this stayed at number one until I watched Amadeus, and then it was like, eh, I wavered. But I put this back at number one because this movie... I had heard about and obviously never watched it. And when I did, I was so like so blown away. It's such an interesting story. It's like a movie that I love these characters and the story is like very it's like seems like there's a lot of movies that try to do this and don't succeed. And there's a moment at the end of this movie that just made me like hard cry that I was not expecting. And uh, I think because of that, it got me. It really like tugged on it, like it, it got in my emotions and controlled me like a, a lifeless puppet. So coming in at number one, my favorite movie that won Best Picture in the 80s is Terms of Endearment. This movie won Best Picture at the 56th Academy Awards in 1984. 
This won Best Director for James L. Brooks, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actress, Shirley MacLaine, and Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson. This is a comedic drama, comedy, definitely drama, obviously I cried. Uh, the movie stars Shirley MacLaine, Deborah Winger, and Jack Nicholson in the leading roles. Also, wait, what's his name? Jeff Daniels, right? Danny DeVito's in this, Jeff Daniels. John Lithgow. This is like a stacked cast in this movie. Uh, not all of these people like Danny DeVito is like very much a side character. Jeff Daniels, I would say, is a, a major character. John Lithgow, kind of a side character. But a stacked cast. The story follows the relationship between a mother, Aurora Greenway, played by uh, McLean, and her daughter, Emma, played by Winger, over several, de several decades. But this is definitely a movie about mother-daughter relationships, which is, you don't really see that. Maybe you see it in something like uh, that one movie that came out. It's kind of like uh, Songbird, or I forget what the movie's called, but it was a movie about mother-daughter relationships, and just I didn't connect with it nearly as much as this one. Um, the film explores themes of love, family, morality, as well as the challenges and joys of motherhood. And female friendships. I mean, it is definitely a movie that shows the mother-daughter friendship in a way that I don't think many... I don't can't think of. But maybe I just haven't seen them like I haven't seen this one. Uh, the movie also features a subject involving Aurora's relationship with a former astronaut. Which is kind of crazy. Former astronaut and womanizer named Garrett Breedlove, by, played by Nicholson. Uh, Terms of Endearment is known for its witty and insightful dialogue as well as its emotional and heartfelt performances by its ensemble cast. The film's screenplay was adapted from a novel of the same name by Larry McMurray. Terms of Endearment remains a beloved and influential film that has touched generations of audiences with its honest and poignant portrayal of family life and relationships. Uh... This movie made me laugh. This movie made me cry hard, as I said. Uh, it's like such a well-rounded movie. And it's like, you know, it's this girl that has this relationship with her mom. Her mom is super interesting. She's like a, she's like a, she's a, she's a manizer. As much as Jack, Jack Nicholson is a womanizer, she is like a manizer. Like there are scenes where there's like all these dudes that are just hanging around hoping that maybe she chooses she's and, and like Jack Nicholson it's almost like she found her her rival they're both like these alpha sexual alphas in some way but it's also so much more about her daughter and her relationship with uh Jeff Daniels character and her growing up having this connection with her mom who's like her best friend and then Jeff Daniels who's a teacher and she's kind of the at home wife starts having kids the homemaker and it's like a a difficult kind of thing where they kind of both do their own things kind of stray away from the marriage and it's like this ride this roller coaster where you're seeing the daughter's relationship and where that goes you're also seeing the mother's kind of life trying to live without her daughter her best friend there um and seeing her try and see what she wants out of life and where this goes character gets sick. And like, there's this moment where they wake up and they like give a look and then die. And I am like, 
watching this, watching that moment, I'm like, oh my god. Didn't even it did something in me where I just could I just started crying so hard. Because you just you spend so much time with these characters, you see how far they've gone, and you see that like the thing that they don't worry about in life is the thing that ends up costing their life, right? Great line from uh, the worst person in the world. Uh, I think it's like a Danish film that I reviewed a few weeks ago, where it's like you spend your life worrying about all of these things. That when you are finally faced with death, it's the one thing that you were never worried about. It's the one thing you never spent time worrying about. And that hits like a ton of bricks when that moment happens. And even in the moment, I wasn't thinking, it's like, oh, this is going to destroy me. Because you see where it's going. It's not like a surprising thing. But when the moment finally does happen, it's like, oh, my God. Loved it. Such a good movie. Terms of Endearment. It made me, it like, I don't know, just, this movie is number one because it made me fall in love with all of these characters. Even though, like, there's, they're all imperfect. Like, everybody has their problems. But everybody is also kind of trying to do their best. Right? Despite making mistakes, maybe not treating people the right way, they are also trying to be good people and do the right thing and trying to navigate life as imperfect as they are. And the reality that these characters portray, these actors portray as their characters and are written, it's just, I just, there's like this movie is just dripping with heart, which is something I love. It's something I love so much in a movie. When it, I feel that the movie has heart, it has a, like a heartbeat to it and feels real and feels honest and these people feel like actual people that are very unique and fleshed out and honest and real i loved it so terms of endearment my number one my favorite movie amadeus close second uh both great movies my honorable mentions so all the other movies that were nominated that are not on this list last emperor epic movie uh uh, kind of slow like it's a crazy long epic movie I, this is one that's been on my list forever as well it's actually a movie that i thought i had watched but i had never watched this um but it's the last emperor of china and uh his crazy story and similar in some ways to gandhi seeing the change of a nation and seeing how a nation politically changes over time um although the emperor is a very different type of a character than Gandhi in some ways, some ways they're similar. Uh, so a great epic movie, but just there were aspects of it that I don't think aged very well. Uh, at least like performance wise, it just, I don't know. Still great. Didn't make my list. Platoon had seen it a bunch. Uh, as far as war films, as far as movies about Vietnam, there's better. It's good, but it didn't make my list. Right. Uh, out of Africa, you know, interesting love story. Didn't really care that much about the actors. Gorgeous scenes and cinematography of Africa. I love movies that take you to a place, and this takes you to Africa. But it's also about white people in Africa doing things that, like, they shouldn't even be there. What are they, what are they doing? Even though it's, like, trying to make them seem like good people, which I'm sure 
there were good people, but it's still like you're colonizers in Africa and you're using people as laborers so you can make money. I don't know. Interesting movie. I watched it a long time ago. Didn't really remember it. Watched it again. Gorgeous film. Interesting. Ultimately didn't connect with any of the characters. Didn't really care. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Man, this is a movie that I definitely watch. Definitely feels... It's kind of a bummer. It's it's a comedy. It's definitely a comedy. Definitely a lot of heart. But, like, the story itself was a bummer. Like, the fact... What bothered me about this, there's a scene where she gets... She has the opportunity to go watch Martin Luther King speak. And she doesn't invite her driver, who her son says should invite her driver. And they even talk about it. And she still doesn't... And in his speech kind of talks about the people that are like her that don't go out of their way to fight for equality, right? They may not be quote-unquote racist. They may not be as toxic as the most racist people that existed in the time. And the movie definitely deals with racism in a lot of ways. But I don't know. Like, I just, I couldn't connect to her character because she was like that kind of not racist, but still kind of racist, racist type person and she's jewish so she's faced oppression as well but still like you know sometimes the oppressed want to feel powerful by oppressing others in some ways while feeling like oh but we're similar but not really i don't know i had difficult thoughts about miss driving miss daisy although i did enjoy it. I th- it's a good movie but was not making this list uh by far the worst movie was chariots of fire that's a movie about white people running awkwardly. There are no chariots. There is no fire. It is literally about white dudes running. Like, this is what what competitive running was like when only white people were allowed to take part in it. And uh, they all look goofy as hell when they're running. None of them really look that athletic. I was so not tuned into this movie at all. Uh, so by far the my least favorite out of all of the movies now that won Best Picture in the 80s, Chariots of Fire, last, um, but has that very there. I can see the influences that that movie had, chaining montage, inspirational music. It's definitely a, an epic kind of sports movie, but it's all about goofy white people running. So least favorite Chariots of Fire. Let me recap my list and we'll get out of here. This is my top five movies that won Best Picture in the 80s. Starting off with number five is Ordinary People. Number four is Rain Man. Number three is Gandhi. Number two is Amadeus. And my number one favorite movie that won Best Picture in the 80s was Terms of Endearment. Thank you for tuning in to Top 5 from the Ray Taylor Show. I hope you enjoyed my rankings and analysis of my top five movies uh, that won Best Picture in the 80s. Let me know how you would rank your top five movies that won Best Picture in the 80s. Are you a huge fan of Chariots of Fire? Uh, You know, let me know how you would rank. I'd be interested. Uh, And uh, don't forget to tune in next Sunday for an all-new episode. Join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or heading over to YouTube and watch the episode and do that as well. See you again next week for an all-new episode of Top 5.
New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.